0: Welcome into NSN Daily, Kirsten Moran, Alex Margulies, I'm Brian Samudio, Jenna Holland directing us behind the scenes. Uh, a ton to get to today. Uh, we're going to have Eric Edelstein come on president of the Reno Aces with the home opener looming on Thursday. Uh, cannot wait for that to happen. Uh, a couple new transfers for Nevada football. I mean, they have got over half a dozen transfers uh, coming in. We're going to introduce you to two new faces, one coming from the Big 12 and uh, a, a transfer when it comes to basketball that may replace trey wade you know trey wade that was a big loss he has some some family issues uh, health issues within his family so he's going to try and stay closer to home and not come to nevada and do the a's really want to leave oakland uh some stories are saying it's the a's but so if you read the quotes it maybe doesn't sound like it's really the a's and so we'll get to that in a second because our resident a's fan is with us kirsten she's even wearing green here Uh, today for this, but uh, uh, Kirsten, you were on hand for Tyler Bossetti's record-breaking home run, hits a home run in nine straight games. It's a brand new NCAA record. A guy like Tyler's not supposed to hit bombs like this, but he's just dialed
1: in. I'm after getting to learn about his story and seeing his performance and just seeing his growth has been amazing yesterday. We knew he was, you know, leadoff hitter. We're like, Hey, we got, we got to record this. This is the hit. This is it. He's going to come out balls all the way out outside of the ballpark. Just no hesitation. And to know his backstory and to know that, he just comes from that blue-collared family, and he knows that he has to put in the work in order to see the production. And yesterday, I even asked him after the game, and I said, what did you do to kind of just change your game? And he said, honestly, it's just been a mental shift. So yesterday, seeing that come to fruition and seeing his focus, you know, you have him and, for example, Dario Gomez, who's also somebody that's transferred in, and both of them have that grit that really want to just perform and provide for this whole fact
0: Here's part of Kirsten Moran's interview with Tyler Losetti from Nevada SportsNet.
2: Uh, to be honest, I looked at it as a joke. I'm not gonna lie, because I mean, I'm 5'10, 170 pounds. I would never expect myself to hit this many home runs, especially nine in a row. You know, so it was honestly just. I mean, it's a great accomplishment, but something I never thought I'd do. Honestly, nothing. I mean, the more it's more of just your mentality, your, your mental game. I think over the years, as I've been here from a freshman to a senior, I just. I've gained a better mentality when I go up to the play and I'm, you're not going to beat me. My only goal is to go to June. I want to I just want to win as many ballgames as we can and hopefully come out of this season with the College World Series ring.
0: Alex, you've been on the mic for uh, hundreds of baseball games uh, to see a streak like this. And this throws me back to like when Don Manningly homered and, you know, half a dozen or so, whatever you have, whatever his record was. And I was just glued to every single at bat. That's what Tyler Bassetti did is he brought you in. You were glued into every single pitch.
3: You know, it's just so cool to see this and, and watch this story kind of unfold. I mean, it's a guy that last season just never got going. I mean, he hit fifty-eight, You know, he had six hits and 38 at-bats. And really, this season, he, he wasn't off to this kind of a tear to start the year. And then things just shifted for him. And we talked to uh, TJ Bruce last week. He talked about just, uh, you know, kind of what Kirsten just reiterated, a lot of the mental stuff. And for him, it was, you know, strike zone recognition. It was, it was not striking out as much. It was It was just being more comfortable at the plate but I don't think anyone could have expected, you know, of all the, the sluggers that have come through Nevada, you know, the great home run hitters that we have seen come through this program, Brian, you've seen so many of them for, for a couple of decades. And then, you know, I've been lucky enough to see some, you know, for the last 10. And, and so there's been so many guys that can just absolutely rake. Uh, and for, you know, kind of skinny, wiry Tyler Bosetti to be the guy, to break an NCAA record is just something special. And, you know, I think this is really going to kind of put him, uh, in a different kind of stratosphere when it comes to scouting. I think this this recent tear that he's gone on in the last couple of weeks, I think has really had to have elevated some of his stock when it comes uh, to Major League Scouts. I think he's a guy that will get a chance at a professional career. And I think if this is kind of that launching off point, Brian, it kind of reminds me a little bit uh, a couple of years ago. I'm blanking on the name right now, but I who's the Master guy? Boney. It was Master Boney, and there was one other guy. He's with the Reds now. I'm, I'm going to come back to this in a second, maybe when stock talking, I can look him up but there was a guy that had kind of a similar career that took off at TJ the very Friedle. end of his TJ Friedel <laughs> took off at the very end of his career. You know, TJ was a much faster play. You know, he had speed and stuff that was a big part of his game, but you know, he went and did some stuff with team USA and then he ended up vaulting up and getting this huge signing bonus, you know? And I think Tyler Bo he's a guy that's kind of coming into his own late in his career. And this has been a huge thing for Nevada down the stretch to have his presence at the plate. He's been such a leader and he's been a huge reason why this team uh, is in the thick of of a, of a playoff race.
0: I mean, he's 5'11", a buck 70. I mean, he's not he's not one of those guys that from back in the 90s, slugging Gary Powers days, you know, a Don Price who was built like a defensive end with a club. Um, you know, Andy Dominique was a big, big slugging player. Matt Ortiz, a big, thick third baseman. Lyle Overbay, big looping swing and had a great career in Major League Baseball. Guys are launching it out of the yard. He's not built like that. But uh, Kirsten, you are, and Shannon Kelly were both on cameras uh when this thing went down and immediately you posted to social media and it caught fire i mean it, it got it got an espn tweet out about it uh, arizona state responded with a very humble but respectful tweet they said well we're we we did not want to be on this side of history but cap tip to uh to uh to tyler Bassetti. but uh, it's funny now how in modern age how stuff like this spreads like a brush fire
1: exactly even it was on scott van pelt's highlight last night i was like hey there it is and it was, it was remarkable to see even his second at bat, he hit it hard and deep to, to, to the wall. And we thought, no way. Is this, is he doing it again? Third at bat, fouls it off and actually hits himself twice. And you're like, oh no, we, we don't need an injury. So it's, it's really remarkable just to see how Tyler has just grown. And not only offensively is he doing really well, but he's taking his offensive just just power and, and, and feeding off that and turning it into his defensive game. You saw him yesterday knocking down balls left and right and trying to make every play possible, even when it wasn't maybe necessarily in his third base territory. He was absolutely completely just, just bringing his a game and to talk about what Alex, you said about TJ Bruce. He talked about, you know, when I talked to him last week about or this past weekend at the UNLV game, he says the Wolfpack needs to take these, these opportunities and, and really maximize offensively because for example yesterday there was a few times where they left bases loaded and they've got to maximize and go after it I mean Arizona State started off the game with a grand slam and 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 that could have really taken a tank for Nevada had they just got let that you know beat themselves up but they went back up and and they fought back and ended up coming back back in front with a seven and six lead but ultimately Arizona State battled back and and came out on front ended up winning the game so I think that if Nevada can keep the momentum rolling and keep just off maximizing those batting opportunities the Wolfpack will be in good shape to to take them out west
0: 14-11 the final in favor of the Sun Devils there were 35 hits in this ball game Uh, Bosetti was four for five Gomez three for six Clayton Wallace both three for five Jackson three for five I mean um, Alex this is a typical midweek college baseball game you see but, but guys threw <laughs> really threw some pretty good arms out there. But you can tell Arizona State obviously maybe said all right, this is another chance for not only Nevada to gain in their RPI, but Nevada might go out and win their conference. So Nevada's sitting right around forty, um, looking at for, uh, Fresno State over the weekend. If I want to get, I want to get your thoughts on them as well. a yep. uh, big series against the dogs.
3: Yeah, and this is a team that's playing good baseball. I mean, they came off of a, of a sweep against New Mexico. They took uh, three. A four against San Jose State. Uh, so this is a team that's kind of primed. They've had some tough out-of-conference uh, games. They played USC. They played Stanford. So you know, you talk about a team that's going to be prepared. It's going to be Fresno State. And uh, you know, Brian, we know how these games go. You know, you you get down there with Batesl, uh at the helm, and and uh, you get down to, down to the Central Valley, man. And these there's no love lost ever between these two baseball teams. A lot gets made out of Nevada UNLV and Nevada and San Diego State. But you can make an argument over the last 10 years, especially that it's, it's been Nevada Fresno State that have been probably the most intense baseball games that have been played for this program. And you know, for Nevada to have to go through Fresno State in order to, to put themselves in position to win a Mountain West, uh, it seems very fitting. And I think uh, the Bulldogs, they're going to give them everything. They're going to give them everything. And it's going to be, it should be one heck of a series this weekend. It should be a lot of fun to follow.
0: This is gonna be a great couple of weeks. I mean, you've got Fresno State now, UCLA, so TJ gets reunited with uh, Coach Savadon at UCLA and then San Jose State. So Nevada uh, does not technically control its own destiny right now just yet, but a great chance to impact its own destiny should San Diego State uh, slip up as we move down the stretch. Much more coming up here on NSN Daily after the break. We're gonna introduce you to two new members of the OPEC football program and a prospect who might replace a late transfer for Nevada's men. That's coming up next. Well, we were used to seeing the uh, the transfer idea uh, under Coach Musselman quite a bit, but now Nevada really cashing in on the uh, on the football transfer markets. Uh, Jay Norvell and his staff bringing in uh, a number of players. Uh, we saw uh, Chris late yesterday that a tight end, James Sosinski, who seems like he's been playing college football since about 97, uh, uh, 6'7", 250-pound, Tight end uh, transfers from Kansas uh, to Nevada. What do you think of this pickup?
4: I mean, it's a depth piece. Nevada's pretty well set at tight end in terms of their pass catcher being Cole Turner, their blocker being Reagan Robinson and, and Chris Lappin. But uh, yeah, there was some funny responses on Twitter when I sent that story out, like this guy's still in college because he's entering his seventh year in college, just originally from Chandler, Arizona, who was an All-State quarterback, went to UMass, didn't play his first year as a quarterback, then transferred to South Mountain Community College in Phoenix as a basketball player for a year, then transferred to Kansas in 2017, eventually joined Kansas's basketball team and actually scored a bucket in a Final Four game as kind of one of those guys you put in in a blowout situation. And then most recently has played with Kansas football the last couple of years. So this guy's been around, but he's big six foot, seven, 250 pounds. He clearly loves sports as he continues to try and make this dream happen. He doesn't have like eye popping stats. He's got one touchdown in his career, but you know, a guy who's probably a walk on, maybe, you know, you could see him at Lawler Event center when the football season is over because he's got pretty decent size, but uh, it is funny how, how often Nevada has gone to the transfer portal this year. I mean, this is their seventh player. Who has come from the FBS or FCS ranks? Who they've added to this roster? So uh, you're either going to be picked apart by transfers, or you're going to benefit from it. And Coach Morel is obviously trying to take path too.
0: Yeah, Alex, this is kind of the landscape. I mean, but I mean, this guy has been in school so long; he's going to be a neurosurgeon next year. I mean, like he's been around for for a long time. But that's the landscape: is that you? Uh, you kind of have to accept this is what's happening and make it to your advantage.
3: Yeah, I mean, to me, I like a guy that's played in, in big stadiums and has played, uh, you know, against some really tough competition. Uh, and so I like, you know, the size at 6'7", 250. You know, I think, as Chris said, it's not a, an over glaring need for Nevada, but you get another pass catching tight end that can certainly help out in the run game as a, as a big body and just somebody else to, to just eat up space and, and become another target in this offense. I mean, this offense just continues to add more and more weapons. And as you guys said, it's, The depth, that's the biggest thing. It's, you know, if someone gets hurt, okay, now we've got a little bit more, you know, to be able to withstand uh, some injuries and and really not uh, skip much of a beat.
0: Chris, you wrote a story this morning about uh, Nevada uh, picking up a, a, as you call him, a field-stretching transfer wide receiver in Arkansas, Pine Bluffs wide receiver, Harry Ballard III. What can you tell me about HB3?
4: So he was a three-star recruit. He actually had a lot of interest from power five schools coming out of high school, but he couldn't make it academically he had signed with Missouri. So he ended up going to junior college for two years in Mississippi. Then he transferred up to Missouri uh, was kicked off the team kind of parted ways with them uh, before his first season. So he spent the last three years with Arkansas pine bluff. He really broke out two years ago. That was his best season, 52 catches for 938 yards and 10 touchdowns. So this is a guy who really does stretch the field. He just ended his season because the FCS Pushed their season to the spring. So they they played the SWAC championship game less than two weeks ago and now transferring up to Nevada. Uh, you know, a big kid, six foot three, 205 pounds was a state champion in high school in the long jump. So very athletic kid. Not, again, not a huge position uh, that, that Nevada needs. I mean, when you have Elijah Cooks and Romeo Dubs and Justin Lockhart and Tory Horton, uh, you know, Melquan Stovall, Jamal Bell, Isaac Jernigan, it might be hard for him to get on the roster, but he certainly had power five talent coming out of high school and has shown he can be a very productive player getting the ball down the field.
0: I just like adding depth, Alex. I mean, because we saw, you saw Cookie Monster get hurt last year. It happens. Guys get popped. We saw uh, Caleb Fossum, uh, the the knee injury at Northwestern. We were like, oh my gosh, we wanted to see so much. But depth is good.
3: Yeah, and I think when you look at this Nevada offense in terms of wide receivers, it's always been good to have more. You know, they've certainly uh, done well with a lot of weapons and they've been able to find Uh, a lot of different opportunities for different people. So why not, why not add another piece in there? And again, it's just more depth and more uh, more speed and and more uh, game changing kind of uh, speed and ability on the outside that can really just give more opportunities to other guys. And I think it just well rounds, continues to well rounds uh, this Nevada offense, which to me, you look at every position and there's, there's not a whole lot. uh, When you look at it, that there's a weakness on this team, you know, heading into this 2021 season.
0: Chris, about 90 seconds to go on this segment. Uh, I'll let you have the final words on on uh, who is John Lucas. Uh, started in the in the Big Ten, and then uh, now is transferring from uh, Milwaukee, and he's trying to find a school. And Nevada's on his list.
4: A basketball player who is, yeah, like you said, transferring his final four, BYU, final five, BYU, Utah, DePaul, New Mexico State, and Nevada. He's a six-foot-two guard, so again, not a huge position in need. Nevada has two all-conference guards coming next season with uh, Grant Shurfield and Desmond Cambridge Jr. returning, but a guy who scored 15 points per game at Milwaukee, so he can fill it up, averaged almost six assists per game. I think he'd probably be your first guard off the bench, maybe get you 25, 30 minutes if he does commit to Nevada, but uh, you know, started his career at Illinois. I mean, all of these guys we just talked about, the first kid is on his fifth school, the second kid is on his fourth school, and Lucas will be on his third school. So that's just the way basketball is nowadays. And uh, we'll see if Nevada is able to lock up uh, Tayshaun Lucas after getting that scholarship freed up with with Trey Wade uh, decommitting and, and, and going back closer to home.
0: Yeah, if you hadn't heard about Trey Wade, uh, his grandfather's ill and wants to be able to stay closer to home and completely understand that sort of thing happening. Family is, of course, Uh, the most important thing but uh, yeah we'll see if uh, Mr. Lucas ends up wearing the silver and blue we'll stay on top of that we'll be right back with more on NSN Daily it is Wednesday that means it's time for the television version of Murray's mailbag every single Sunday Chris generously opens up uh, the mailbag on Twitter at by Chris Murray if you want to follow him and uh, takes your questions Chris how big was this one Uh, it's about 3,500 words always a an extra lift on, on, a, on a Monday or Tuesday or whenever Chris gets to it. Usually it's on Mondays when Mondays are rough for Chris. So please be nice to Chris on Mondays. It's a dive into the mailbag. Start off with Billy team at NV Wolfster. We know Billy. Uh, what are the 2021 Nevada football floor and ceilings, Chris?
4: Floor, I'll put it at six and six. Now, this is barring Carson Strong being completely healthy. Obviously, if he gets injured, that kind of changes the formula. But I think at worst case scenario, this is a team that's going to a bowl game. I don't see any way where they win less than six games. In terms of the ceiling, I believe this is a team that can go 12 and 0 in the regular season. I'm not saying that's easy, but I would not be completely shocked if it happened. Again, the road schedule is very, very difficult with at Cal, at Kansas State and at Boise State. As three of your first four games, but if they get through that, they do have some more difficult games coming up at San Diego State at Fresno State is not going to be easy so the, the schedule probably makes it to where they're not going to go 12 and zero. but I don't think there's any game that is on the schedule, where you point at it and say Nevada can't win that game so at that point. I think 12 and zero is not maybe super realistic, but I, I think it's something that's achievable and I think that's what makes this season getting so much hype coming into the year is because that possibility is out there to have one of those really special seasons where you just run the table from start to finish.
0: What do you think? I
3: mean, Chris, you think that this is a situation where if they did go to, let's go like full ceiling, like we're going through the ceiling, right? Like can Nevada get to like a new year's six bowl.
4: I think so. I mean, they're always up the battle with the ACC. That's been the conference that really has been sending that group of five school into the New Year's New Year's Six Bulls just because they're much stronger. But you know, if the winner of the ACC loses a game, goes something like twelve and one, and Nevada's sitting there at thirteen and zero after winning a Mountain West championship with road wins at Cal, at Kansas State, at Boise State, at Fresno State, at San Diego State, and then probably have to beat Boise State again in a Mountain West championship game. I think the schedule sets them up two road wins against Power Fives where they can line up their resume with anybody from the non-Power uh, 5 conferences and say, you know, we deserve that New Year's sixth poll. So, uh, you know, it, it's lofty. It's, it's, they're going to have to play really, really well. They're going to have to be really, really healthy, and they're going to have to get some luck along the way. But it, it's something that could potentially happen, which is why everybody is so excited for this 2021 season.
0: Button the trins, chin straps, boys. Let's go. I mean, that just, that's <laughs> exciting right there. Uh, mailbag question. Rumors of a Mountain West school moving to the AAC, that's the American, conference have picked up momentum recently how likely is it that any of it materializes Chris we get this question I don't know probably every six months 12 months it just always seems to swirl back around
4: and I mean, you, there was proof Boise State through Brian Harson and his emails that were leaked in December was trying to get Boise State into the AAC because he wasn't happy with the Mountain West. So do I think it's going to happen in the next five years? Probably not. But you look at the history of college football, it seems to be every 10 years, there's massive realignment. And we're almost 10 years on from when Boise State, Nevada, Fresno State joined the Mountain West from the WAC. So um, I just think it's difficult fit because if you look at the AAC right now, they have a school all the way up in Philadelphia and Orlando. So to stretch it all the way out to Boise and potentially San Diego State or Las Vegas, that's just too much of a geographical lift. And then where does Boise state and maybe a San Diego state end up putting their non-football teams? Do they put them in the big West, which is a huge step down. So I think the mountain West will be able to keep Boise state and and San Diego state, but again, wouldn't be completely shocked. I would just put the odds at low that maybe 15% Boise state joins the AAC in the next five years.
0: I understand what they want to do up there in Boise. They want to uh, grow the footprints, Alex, but I mean, without picking up the footprint and moving it about 2000 miles, it's tough to do.
3: Yeah, I, I just don't, the AAC to me just doesn't really make sense for them as Chris just outlined. I mean, the geography of it's kind of rough. I mean, I think maybe eventually is there some kind of reshuffling of the Pac-12 and, and that conference has some changes. I mean, I think it's more realistic to me if, if, if Boise State's going to go into uh, a higher conference, I mean, you'd think they want to try and get into a, a more of a power five conference and get into the Pac-12. And, and I think if that's something that they could do, I'm sure they're pining for it. But, you know, what's that going to look like? How's that going to shake out? How would you even assemble that? But, you know, I think it's something that could happen, as Chris said, in the next five to 10 years. I think anything's possible. And, and a lot's happened in the last five years, even with, with college athletics and things that have been decided. And I, there's no reason to think that it's just going to stagnate.
0: Wade Wilkinson is in the mailbag this week, who are the top Nevada high school basketball players this century outside of Washoe and Clark Counties. Chris, you came up with a, a handy quick list.
4: Yeah, it's not so many on the boys' side. So the only player I could see who came out of Washoe or Clark County, not from those counties, who made it up to the Division One level was Sean Paul from Elko, and he graduated high school in 2000, so he barely made that cut. Uh, Elko also had a kid named Brian Pearson, who was a center who played for a Division Two school, Alaska Anchorage. And then uh, Dantley Walker, who some people might remember, he broke Luke Babbitt's all-time scoring record in the state of Nevada. He was playing at a two-way school in Lincoln County, walked on at UNLV and then played at Chaminade, where he's actually an assistant coach right now. So it hasn't been very often on the men's side, but on the women's side, quite a few. I mean, you look at Nevada alone, Danica Sharp, uh, Leita Otuwafi, uh Jonah Ward, all from, you know, smaller areas and made it all the way up to the D1 level. And then you look at like uh, Kaylee Whipple who played for Pranagate Valley. She played at Utah. Um, you know, Sydney Orndorff, Ashley Orndorff, uh, Taylor Altenberg played at Elko and then made it uh, up to New Mexico. Sarita Condi from Lovelock played at Navy. So it's actually, you know, a, a bunch of really good girls players going up to the women level at the division one level outside of our normal big cities in the uh, you know state of Nevada, but th- there haven't been very many boys. So it would kind of be cool if you saw someone fun like a a Fernley or an Elko or a Wells become a division one basketball player on the boys side, because it hasn't happened very often.
0: I got a few others that, uh, that should make you, that make the list. One is a Douglas tiger, Keith Olson, who ended up playing at Northern Arizona and then played uh, played a season at Nevada. Didn't have a ton of time there. Uh, Eric Wilson out of Churchill County did not play in college. He was a track athlete in college, but was definitely one of the best high school basketball players I've seen come out of Churchill County. Just an absolute leaper. He was a triple jumper. Uh, in college and in the Olympic trials and the Virginia city flash Curry Lynch and the Lynch mob, the Lynch guys up there at VC um, playing up in Story County. Um, there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of talent. It's just spread out and it's tough to get to it sometimes. Hopefully now with the way recruiting is changing, Alex, some of these younger players, some of these players will get looks and get to play somewhere.
3: Yeah, I think. Uh, and that's, that's the key word is it like playing somewhere. And I think there have been a lot of opportunities that, you know, it doesn't always have to be at the division one level. And there's been a lot of kids that have had success you know, going into division two or NIA or any other things like that. And, and I think just getting an opportunity to play in college, you know, for, for a lot of people uh, is really just the key. And, and uh, you know, we hope that continues.
0: Uh, Another one we'll wrap up the mailbag with some fun stuff. Keegan, uh, coach Bozier, Keegan Bozier, a good friend of ours. uh, What are your top five TV sitcoms, Chris?
4: I threw 10 out there just because i wanted to put the golden girls out there because i thought that was funny uh i'll do i'll do my top six because the number six is a pretty recent one it's called fleabag it's on amazon prime it only has two seasons it's hilarious it's a female lead uh very very good show number five i did the cosby show that's uh, one that i remember growing up watching quite a bit that was before we knew some of this stuff about bill cosby but the show on itself is great uh number four happy endings which also had a pretty short run well, you know, I think that's the most underrated sitcom I've ever seen. Number three, Curb Your Enthusiasm, uh, which continues to plug along with uh, uh, Larry David. Number two, Arrested Development. And then number one, Seinfeld. I'm a Seinfeld guy, not a Friends guy, personally. What about you guys?
3: Alex, what do you got? You know, I like, uh, I like the Curb Your Enthusiasm call at the top there. I think that's been one of my favorite shows. I mean, Larry David just kills me. Uh, it's such a funny show. Uh, recently, I've been really enjoying, it, it's over the last couple of years, Shit's Creek on Netflix has been a really good one, uh, really fun one to watch and a lot of really good episodes there. So I'm not going to give you five, but there's a couple that I've been enjoying for sure.
0: Yeah, uh, my top two don't even make Chris's top 10, I think. Uh, uh, for, for me, um, definitely Modern Family. I mean, it's it's hard to argue with that. It's written so well and so cleverly. And at the end of it, you've gone from something that's really, really stupid to you might have, you even have a tear in your eye. By the end of that, and my number one, people either hate it or they love it, and it's The Big Bang Theory, uh, which just finished about you know a, a dozen years of a run, and I thought it was just so well written and, and done done so well and just such so much fun. It's one of those things that if there's a marathon on, I'll click on it and I'll watch it. But uh, if you want to join the mailbag every single Sunday, Chris will open it up on Twitter. Like I said, follow him at by Chris Murray or follow Alex at at Margulies underscore p x p. If you want to follow them on Twitter, uh, check it out and. Uh, uh, submit your questions. As you see, we uh, don't just answer sports questions on this show. Fun questions uh, make the show as well. We'll have more coming up on NSN Daily right after this. This segment sponsored by the following. Our Community Catch is brought to you by Christensen Automotive. Uh, this week, we're talking with presidents president of the Reno Aces, Eric Edelstein. Eric, it seems like we've been talking so much. Going, It's coming. It's coming. The train's on the tracks. The train is coming into town. And it's coming into town Thursday night, home opener. Uh, we won't even talk about the record yet because the guys have been phenomenal on the field. Uh, you told us beforehand, uh, if everything goes right, everybody gets to leave the stadium at five tonight.
2: That's, That's that, the goal, hopefully. That, that is the goal. It, that, it never works out that way. And there's probably someone who's going to be here late. And I know there's going to be people here uh, before the sun comes up tomorrow. But uh, I think in, in general, we've had a long time to get ready for this. Uh, everyone is working their tail off and, uh, and we're just we're ready to welcome our community back to, to Greater Nevada Field on Thursday.
4: Tell us about the opening day uh, festivities. I know you guys are wearing that BLC hat, which we I think debuted on this show like a year ago. It'll be the first time you wear it in a game. What else do you have uh, planned for for the opener?
2: Absolutely. You know, we're, we're ex- certainly excited about the BLC cap, uh, our, our city edition cap that the club will be wearing um, we did hope to launch it last year on opening day, and we were ready to, but so it's been a, de- a year delayed. Um, but excited about that brand, the BLC brand sort of expanding beyond baseball into something that um, that Reno can really can really rally behind. Um we're going to have a, a lot of great festivities. Governor Cisac is is participating um, through video. Uh, Mayor Shivi is going to be making a proclamation uh, before the game. We have uh, a couple of uh, a mother-daughter nurse uh, that are gonna be throwing a first pitch and we'll have a special tribute to our healthcare heroes, uh, including a, a little bit of a flyover uh, before the game uh, tomorrow. And, uh, and, and other than that, I mean, everything is, is all about just welcoming our, our fans and our community back to, to live sports and, and gathering. And we're gonna get to meet our team that has been uh, really exciting uh, in the first road trip. And I think that there's about as fun a group of guys as I've seen here in a, in a long time, uh, as well as obviously they're off to a great start on the field.
3: Eric, this has been such a long road, Uh, uh, no baseball last year. And we know how much uh, that's impacted not only you, but just aces fans all over the town. And and what's it going to be like for you personally, when you can actually stand there and watch fans start trickling in through the gates and you see guys warming up on the field and taking batting practice And you finally have kind of gotten to this moment of, oh, my God, like we've got baseball and fans back inside greater Nevada feel. I can only imagine the feeling that's going to be like for you.
2: I've tried to play myself through it to think about what it's what it's going to mean. But I don't think that any of us are fully prepared for for how how special and, and probably how emotional it's going to be. Uh, I, I know it was emotional just watching the team work out last week before they headed off on the road and just seeing a professional baseball team on the, on the field again, um, you know, was nearly tear jerking. So I can't even imagine what it's going to be like to, to see our fans back in the stadium. But, uh, you know, I, I think after probably a moment of, uh, of momentary euphoria, we're, we're going to get back to the job at hand, just like the athletes Um, are going to be super excited but when that first pitch is thrown uh, it's going to be all about putting on a great show Um, you know hot hot dogs cold beer and uh, and a great experience at the ballpark
0: I think we're probably going to be in very much the similar sort of boats I mean granted we're not able to all come back at the same time but we are working on a return to office plan and and that sort of thing and get back I think it's going to be oh no just kind of like shell shocked a little bit and then suddenly you have to go oh crap I've got a ton of work to do I have to go to But uh, Eric, this isn't just a team that's that's coming in two and three either. This team is sitting at five and one and seems to be able to explode for half a dozen runs anytime they want to. Um, winning helps a lot with everything, but to have not just a team coming back, but a team that's really playing above the field.
2: Now they, they've had a terrific first first trip, and uh, you know Domingo Laba, Seth Beer have kind of led the way offensively, but everybody's contributed. Uh, to the offense. You know, the one game we did lose, we still put up six in the ninth to, to force extra innings. So, uh, you know, we've been in every single game. Uh, it, it's just a, it's a great group of guys, you know, returners like uh, Domingo Leiba and, and Caracuto. you know, uh, Uniel Caricuto. Um, but the newcomers, you know, Josh Reddick, Seth Beer, um, Josh Reddick, I, I'm going to say like, was might be the first AAA player in my time in Reno that went out of his way to introduce himself to people around the stadium. Um, you know, again, it's just those, those people, you never know, you're going to meet in this, uh, in this business. And for the most senior, you know, the guy with the most major league games, maybe one of the most ever, uh, to play in an aces uniform uh, to be going around and introducing himself and uh, and just being excited to be here just gives you an idea of, of what kind of team we have here uh, and and what a quality group of people we have uh, as well as guys that are are doing their jobs real
4: well for folks heading out to the ballpark either for the season opener or over the weekend I guess what can they expect in terms of you know COVID-19 rules that you want them to follow to make sure everyone's as safe as possible
2: for, for sure, you know, so we definitely ask, you know, everybody, please check out RenoAces.com um, where you can see all of the various, uh, um, you know, rules, changes. There's a number of things that, you know, COVID has brought upon us but are going to stay uh, beyond COVID. Um, things like digital tickets, you know, the days of, of physical tickets are behind us. Everything is going to be digital. Um, we're going to have people out front of the gate to make sure that everyone can access their tickets, knows how they can get in. Uh, clear bag policy. Um, University of Nevada has had this for three years so if you've been to uh, um, to a football or basketball game you you know about that policy so um, no more big duffel bags Uh, we're going to be a completely cashless ballpark so uh, leave your cash at home Uh, cards accepted everywhere that uh, that you can be and then you know in addition to that masks you know both the state mandate and major league mandate so we've got two uh, two governing bodies that are telling us about masks that have to make sure Uh, We're, we're behaving that way. So masks upon entry, masks uh, throughout all the common areas, um, you know, unless you're eating or drinking in your seat. That's the, the one caveat. So that's going to be the biggest. Um, We're going to be socially distanced in the month of May. So we're going to be very limited in our tickets. And then uh, we are planning, you know, following Washoe County's plan to look at June 3rd, Thursday, June 3rd would be our first game without social distancing. Um, but we expect everything else to still be in play, uh, including masks at that point.
3: Eric, we had a chance to talk to a new play-by-play man on the radio, Zach Bay-Rudy, last week. And he talked about, he felt like this roster was kind of the perfect mix for AAA. Like, you've got your veterans, like your Josh Reddicks, and, and a guy like uh, Domingo Leiba, who's, who's had time in the big leagues, and he's kind of on the cusp of becoming like an everyday major leaguer. And then you've got your young studs, like Seth Beer, and, and guys that have like these young star prospects coming up from your perspective as someone who's been in Reno and has seen a lot of rosters come through. Do you kind of agree with that sentiment that this roster is just a really well-constructed one to win a lot of games in AAA? I,
2: I do. You know, the, the caveat always being is that things change, you know, throughout throughout the year. So it's always about how you can you know, keep guys together. Uh, it's it's certainly about the big league team staying healthy and, uh, and right now they're not. So I in some ways, I think we we could get better as the year goes on. Um, as you know, guys like a Dalton Varshow that was ticketed for here, but but called up after injury. I, I think there's there's reinforcements from both directions, prospects below and and guys that are up right now due to injury. The the again, I, you know, credit to Josh Barfield and and the Diamondbacks. We're watching teams across the country make. Wholesale roster moves day after day, which in the era of COVID is, it seems crazy. The guys are shipping all over. Um, they have loaded us up with bodies. They've maximized the roster. Um, and, and you can see through that first series, um, you know, our lineup didn't have many changes. So I, I think there, there's a plan and, and a thoughtful process. The Diamondbacks have have put this club together with, and, uh, and, and I, I do think that we're going to have a tight nick and a price day together uh, more so than not this
0: year, Eric. Uh, one before we let you go, uh, unless the guys have anything else, uh, we we love the ballpark fun, the amenities, the food. Alex is our foodie. Anytime you travel with Alex Margulies, you're going to take he's going to take care of you. Uh, there's always new fun stuff. Uh, what was it a few years ago? Alex uh, Julian Delgado ate the porkle live on <laughs> yeah. barely handle it. Uh, you've got the the big sandwich. Uh, I don't remember the name of it. I apologize. The big one with the the triple play. Triple play. Uh, anything new that you can tell us about that's on the menu or what's coming up?
2: You know, the, the biggest things to start this year, you know, we've not added new items specifically, but what we are going to have is uh, we're going to be rolling out slowly at first and then and then we'll have it ballpark wide here um, by June, uh, which is going to be mobile ordering. So that's, that's really exciting. So again, in an effort to reduce lines, um, both people's wait time outside their seats, but also congregating. Again, this is something that's going to extend beyond COVID, but COVID certainly pushed us to, to make this move quicker. Um, people are gonna be able to order by scanning a QR code, placing your order and you'll receive a notification uh, when the order's ready and where to go pick that up. And so that will start um, right out the gate. And then we're also excited um, opening up a grab and go. So uh, it's almost like a little mini 7-Eleven uh, in, the, in the concourse that will have coolers with, uh, with fresh food, healthy items, uh, lots of varieties of drinks uh, that'll be really easy again that, that you won't need to necessarily wait in line for uh, but you'll be able to just grab it check out quickly and get back to your seat so we're really focused on on the speed and and trying to uh, help people get what they want quickly uh, and be able to enjoy as much of the game as they can.
0: We love it Reno Aces their home opener the five and one Reno Aces will have their home opener on Thursday 6 35 p.m. And uh, you can see it right here on Nevada Sportsnet. If you don't have tickets, you can't get to the ballpark. If you want to go, RenoAces.com. That's your ultimate source of information. But you're going to hear the golden tones, the sultry voice of Alex Margulies carrying us through, uh, hopefully, a, a 980 win on uh, Thursday night. Eric, appreciate the time, man.
2: No, thank you guys so much. Look forward to seeing you here at the ballpark.
0: Well, much more coming up on NSN Daily right after this. You know, it's it's tough whenever you see what happens to franchises in major in professional sports. You hear about uh, teams leaving. You hear about teams, um, okay, I want a new stadium. Otherwise, we're going to find something else. It's kind of weird what's going on, Kirsten, with your Oakland A's. I mean, a very passionate fan base. They've deserved a new stadium for years. The story came out yesterday that Major League Baseball is kind of nudging the A's a little bit to pursue outside uh, places, outside of Oakland, uh, Las Vegas has come up, Portland has come up, um, a bunch of different places have come up, but uh, if you read some of the quotes and read in between the lines, it doesn't sound like the A's really want to leave Oakland. I don't, what are your thoughts? Uh,
1: it kills me, it pains me being an A's fan, but also just for the Bay Area. I mean, we lost the Warriors as they moved over to San Francisco, you lost the Raiders who went to Las Vegas, so just as you know, a, a sports fan and living in, being born and raised in the Bay Area, you really hope that they can keep one local sports program at least in, in the East Bay because there's a lot of fans and it's very much divided. You have your Raider fans that are still there. You still have, you know, everybody's a Warrior fan for the most part, it seems like. But for baseball, it's the Giants and the A's. So to lose another one would really just be painful for the city on top of that. And it seems like the city is what's really driving them to, to have to look elsewhere. That Oakland has said numerous times and uh, Dave Cavall talked about yesterday, even he said, we're trying to do everything that we can, but we're running out of time. Their lease is up in 2024 and they have to find a backup solution ASAP, or if not, the A's are gonna have to go elsewhere.
0: Uh, you talk about uh, Cavall, who's the A's president, quote, we're hopeful that our really exciting plan for a waterfront ballpark that's privately financed will be taken up by the city council. He told this to the Associated Press. Uh, continues on to say, "quote I think it's something that is kind of a once-in-a-generational opportunity to reimagine the waterfront." Now, the project they're talking about, Alex, is this Howard Terminal project. Um, ASA proposed privately funding a one billion dollars stadium would be much more intimate. There's going to be three thousand ut- units of affordable housing, retail space, a hotel. What's wrong with that? For you ask me, and I'm an outsider. Granted, I look at that and I go that sounds pretty darn good. But, uh, you know, it sounds like to me that the A's are are doing their best to try and stay in the bay.
3: Yeah, I think they are. And I, I think ultimately I, I feel like this is going to get done and they'll be able to stay in Oakland. I think this is kind of a way to put pressure on the city. I don't think they want to leave Oakland, but you know, they, they have to do their, their due diligence in a sense and, and make sure like, okay, if this isn't going to get done, we may need to, you know, remove this team from this city and go somewhere else where we can get something done. And, I mean, especially when you look at what the A's are willing to put up in terms of their own private financing to do this. It's not like, you know, for example, when the, the Raiders went to Las Vegas and and you know the state of Nevada gave them a ton of money. And you know, this isn't that kind of situation. This is a lot more of a deal where it's 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 heavily skewed in the private financing deal. And so I think if they're asking for a lot of money, I could I could see it as one thing. I get it, the city's got to kind of do their thing and, and make sure it's right for for the community as something that's gonna be there for the next, you know, 50 years. Um, But I I really hope this gets done because I think uh, that as Kirsten said, it's already been tough for that part of the Bay area to lose, uh, you know, one of your franchises to the other side of the Bay as as the Warriors go into San Francisco. And then you lose the Raiders completely from Oakland and and for, for there not to be a franchise in Oakland period. I think that would really uh, be a shame because there's so many people, especially in that East Bay uh, of that area, you know, going into Oakland and then East of there that, that really just love this team and, and love you know, being able to get out to games, and I think it would be a real shame for them not to be able to continue to have that.
0: A's owner John Fisher said in a statement, uh, "Quote: The future success of the A's depends on a new ballpark. Oakland is a great baseball town, and we will continue to pursue our waterfront ballpark project. We will also follow Major League Baseball's direction to explore other markets. Uh, either this is going to work out really, really well for A's fans, or it's going to be decimating for A's fans because." You know, it, I, I couldn't even imagine. It. I remember uh, way back when uh, the Giants were being pursued heavily by St. Petersburg, Florida, and, you know, where the Rays are. And then it, it, I thought we were losing my team. And I don't know what I, it's like, I, you're a Giants fan or you're an A's fan. You're, you don't just pick up and go, I'm going to root for the Mariners right now. I just would have a tough time, tough time you're doing right. that, but I really hope it's going to happen. I hope the A's stay.
1: And Brian, they have some of the best players that came out of Oakland. I mean, Ricky Henderson, Dennis Eckersley, Dave Stewart. There's a lot of heart to come out of Oakland, and it would, it would just be really crushing to see A's fans lose that opportunity. And even the players talked after the game yesterday. They said we don't want to leave Oakland, but unfortunately, it's out of their hands. So hoping that the A's can figure a way to to make it stay. But like how Alex had touched on, that unfortunately the city has a lot of other issues that they have to work out with just schooling and getting. Financials for kids to have textbooks and and just making sure that the city is taking care of a lot of homelessness is is a huge problem in Oakland and they have to take care of that and 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 turning that around. So I'm hoping that the city and and Oakland can figure a way to to make the athletics um, to give them room to stay.
0: It's a difficult issue. It's a passionate issue when basic infrastructure in your city is suffering and people are suffering in your city. It's difficult to look at sports, even though it can be a fun distraction and a great place to to build your city, uh, you need to take care of your people at the same time. So hopefully Oakland can figure it out. Uh, We'll be right back with more here on NSN Daily right after this. Uh, Just a little programming update. We will not have uh, NSN Daily uh, for you on Thursday because uh, we're airing uh, the commencement ceremonies for the University of Nevada. And then 6.35, we've got uh, some baseball. We've got uh, Reno Aces baseball for you. But uh, coming up on on Friday's show, we're going to be talking with uh, Nevada's head golf coach, Jacob Wilner, as they head off to their third NCAA regional in a row. And uh, Big Steve Pienkowski is going to join us, former Nevada basketball player, who is now helping out uh, young players in our area uh, get to the next level and uh, see that type of uh, recruiting. But uh, Alex, uh, first of all, I've been able to talk to you about it. Really cool to be able to air a graduation, something that we've missed, but we're going to be able to put that on the air.
3: Yeah, it's awesome to get the opportunity, as we were talking about yesterday, just, you know, a lot of these, families and kids didn't have this opportunity last year. And it's great that they're able to do it outside at Mackey stadium. And those who can't be there to be able to watch it on TV, it's a great deal. And uh, we're proud to have it.
0: Should be a lot of fun uh, coming up on NSN daily, uh, the rest of the week, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and then Fox 11 airing them on, uh, on Saturday. I'll do it for us here on NSN daily for Chris, Alex, and Jenna. I'm Brian. We'll see you next time.